Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Marla Isaacson, who is the founder and CEO of ASSA, that's O-S-S-A, which is a technology platform matching podcasters and advertisers. She's also a podcast host herself, and her podcast is called Mind of a Mentor. And just to give you a little bit more about ASA, so ASA is an online impact community that amplifies the messages of hundreds of female influencers and thought leaders while providing creators with an opportunity to connect with brands. And it is also that podcast network that I mentioned for thought leaders dedicated to promoting social progress through the oldest form of communication and storytelling, the spoken word. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show. Leave a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. Finally, The Grind, which was my community I had just launched in December of 2019. Applications are now open. They'll be closing in January and reopening up again. But applications are now open. And The Grind is just a com- community, a cur- curated community of entrepreneurs, creators, go-getters, and digital and in-person helping people build their businesses, get ideas, get inspiration, make more of an impact together. And something I've been wanting to orchestrate, put together for a matter of months, and I'm finally launching it. But just go grind.com slash the dash grind, or you can find it from the homepage as well. But the grind is now available, now open for applications. Check it out. Without further ado, here is Marla Isaacson, founder and CEO of ASA. Marla, welcome to the show. Justin, thanks so much for having me on today. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah, and thanks for, thanks for being here. And there's a few different things you're, you're working on. And what I want to know first is if someone asked you, what do you do? What would you tell them? Um, I would say that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the founder of a network for women in podcasting. And then I would go on and explain everything else that um, ASA entails. Yeah. And with ASA, so that has evolved from a, a different, well, at least the name yeah. of it has evolved. How did that get started in the first place? Sure. I'll do a quick little history. So yeah. way back when um, I started my entrepreneurial adventure by launching <laughs> a platform for teen girls called Heart of Gold Girls. Did that for a number of years, content site, social media. And after a point, I realized I couldn't serve teens the way I wanted to. So we rebranded the site um, and called it Like a Boss Girls, not Girl Boss, but Like a Boss Girls. Um, And a lot of content information about money and jobs and entrepreneurism and um, life, that kind of thing, just really helping women figure things out. And we also started to build our social media channels, uh, namely Facebook and Instagram. And... Well, about a year and a half ago, my team told me that I have to start a podcast, which I (laughs) seriously did not want to do, Um, but they made me. So I said, okay. Um, And I started a podcast called Mind of a Mentor. So that was about a year and a half ago. And I'm on episode closing into like episode 75, 76. So after, after, thanks, after a bunch of episodes, I realized, oh my gosh, like I love podcasting. I mean, I love it. Um, I love connecting with people. And um, I think I'm just naturally a very nosy person. So this gives (laughs) me free reign to be nosy. So after doing it for a while, um, 
I started to do some research about the world of podcasting, specifically women in podcasting. And again, the between Like a Boss Girls and then beforehand um, Heart of Gold, it was all about women empowering. Yes, women, empowerment does get used a lot, but truly that was the focus of both businesses. So I thought about what I could do um, to um, help women in the world of podcasting. Based on my research, women were not achieving the same financial success that male counterparts were achieving. Um, so after a lot of research, I decided to do something about it, and I created our B2B platform, ASA, which is a matching site. So we bring on um, small to mid-sized podcasters, all women or women-hosted, women-produced, and we match these podcasters with advertisers. So we have a matching platform similar to what you would use when you're searching for a flight online, um, you put in your criteria, boom, pops the flights that meet your criteria. Well, an advertiser can go on our platform, put his or her criteria, and up will pop podcasters that um, are relevant for this particular um, advertiser. Nice. So that piece of the business, we're, we're probably over 400 podcasters now. I say that because I just came from a conference and we got a whole lot of sign up. So that, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. And, and then I took a step back and said, wow, I can't manage two brands. It's just too hard for me. So went back and looked at Like a Boss Girls, the content site, our B2C site, and realized that there was an opportunity to rebrand it as ASA um, under the ASA umbrella. So the URL is asacollective.com. We have a lot of content. We're pivoting towards focusing on um, podcasters, podcasting, like amazing influential women. Um, so that's sort of where the content is, is, is going. Social media is still supporting <clears throat> both ASA Collective, the content side, as well as um, our, our B2B area. And in terms of social media, we've grown our social media reach to over 1.2 million followers. So we're super excited about it. It didn't happen overnight. It took a long time, um, but that's where we are. So that's how ASA got started because I wanted to solve a problem. Uh, I wanted to solve a pain point, women not making enough money in the world of podcasting. Yeah. And I appreciate the background on that. I think it's very helpful for us to kind of understand where you're at now. And, and mm -hmm. with that, even going back, even going back farther, like why, why was this a solution that you decided on? Because there's always different ideas people have for businesses. And when there is a problem, there's multiple solutions uh, potentially. Uh, why'd you come to this conclusion of this is the one you wanted to go with? So again, it, I sort of did a connect the dots. So I started a podcast and I loved it. You know, my, my background is corporate marketing, prior to my entrepreneurial journey, like American Express for 12 years, Citibank, et cetera. So I'm a research geek. So I read a lot of research, looked at what was happening with women and realized that there was definitely an issue. And how do I tie all these threads together by helping women um, make money and then came up with the concept of, well, let me match them with advertisers. So that's where that came about. Yeah, yeah. And with the podcasting too, you said that you you didn't want to start a podcast initially. What was the hesitation or why were you so against it before? Well, you know, I think 
you know, which is not a great, I admit this, it's like, oh, let me be behind the scenes and, you know, my brand will speak for itself. Well, no. Um, podcasting gave me an opportunity to amplify our brand message in a way that was very emotional and relevant to me because I'm, I'm the founder. So, yeah. So again, I just, it was sort of hard for me to actually get into that. Okay. Let me, let me be face forward and let me represent the brand uh, versus having my team do it. But that's what I did, which is what I needed to do. Yeah. And then with the, with the company too, obviously being business to business and helping other people make monetize their podcast mm-hmm. as well. I mean, what, did you have in place for the team to help you build this and help you grow this? Sure. So I um, have a virtual team. And um, so I employ a a lot of contractors, independent contractors, and I had an editorial team. So uh, an amazing um, editor chief named Meredith Reed. Um, She's awesome. And um, an entrepreneur, sorry, a, um, editorial, you know, group of uh, writers. Additionally, I had a very small sales team, which was led by, um, again, an extremely talented woman named Lori Lefcourt. So I had the beginnings of things, um, but I am a problem solver. So being that I had so many years in corporate America, I just get out and start creating organization charts and figuring out what is the most reasonable way to do this? Again, I'm bootstrapping this company. So we go lean and mean. So it's it's about daily prioritization. And um, I think I'm good at picking people. So that's how I've put it together. Yeah, and being good at picking people. I mean, what, what do you think helps with that? Because so much of a startup or any company really is building that team and how important that team is, or even if it's contractors, whoever it is, whoever is helping the company mm-hmm. grow. Like, How do you kind of analyze the talent that you're bringing in? So it's a couple of factors. Number one, do they understand what I'm trying to do? Do they see the vision? Do they feel the vision? See, it's both very emotional as as well as very practical. And I need to see both of those things and feel both of those things. So I need to understand if this particular candidate, this contractor, like gets it (laughs) and um, has some passion around the topic and you know, then I look at their um, background and I'm not, I've, I like to pick people based based on skill set. So you don't necessarily have to have done everything in the past. But if I see that you're really smart and you've got the right skill set and you have the passion, um, I think that's super important. That makes for a great um, employee, employee or contractor, I should say. And I'm also very much a hands-on sort of like I keep in touch with people. I let people manage their business, but they know that I'm always there for them. And um, and that's a very serious um, way that I manage my team. Yeah. Always being there for them, always checking in, making sure they have the resources that they need, constantly prioritizing, you know, pulling things away and then adding them to other parts of the business. 
So, and I think that that experience came from my um, my corporate experience. Yeah, I'm sure transferable for sure into the stuff you're doing now. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and then too, like as you've gone through this, like what initially was that kind of business model behind this? Obviously, you knew you had a problem that you wanted to solve, and then how do you think of okay, if it's a business, like how do I monetize? What's it going to look like? How did that look like for you? Okay, so I'll focus more on the ASA piece. So the the matching platform is um, commission-based revenue model. So um, ASA takes a certain percentage of the the sales commission. We do all the work. We find the advertisers. We get the scripts. We find the podcasters. We manage the whole process. So that's our model. And I felt that that was a very viable model. And I also know that um, and knew that there were opportunities to introduce other revenue streams along the way. But first, and my sole priority right now is getting that model really set. Yeah. And how did you exactly decide on that? Because you said that model seemed like it'd be a good fit for you. And there's 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 clearly many other models that you could potentially do, I guess, depending on what it is. But how did you decide on that exactly? You know, I looked at... Um, the way other networks were run. I looked at different um, possible opportunities like subscription models and things like that. And that just didn't seem right. It just didn't feel right to me. I didn't feel like if I did a subscription that I would be really servicing the people that I needed to serve. So I wanted to make it super simple, which is we'll make the match and we get a piece of the cut. So it's sort of a pseudo agency model. And again, as I was building this piece of it, it just seemed like the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, definitely seems like it makes a lot, of, a whole lot of sense, mm-hmm. indeed. And mm-hmm. one of the things you mentioned earlier that I had to just touch on again, you said like the total social following is like over one point two million or something. And what do you mm-hmm. think has helped you grow that over time? What, what's been the most beneficial in that capacity? Sure. So we've never ever bought um, a Facebook follower ever. Um, we have grown it um, both organically and with Facebook ads and Facebook boosts. I think it, it was really about understanding who our end consumer is and doing a lot of testing. Um, I think early on, before our Facebook got really tight with their algorithms, we were able to ride a little bit of a wave. So we're able to go a, a chunk of our followers pretty rapidly. And now it's a little more challenging because, you know, you got to pay to play. Yeah. So it's it's a strategic decision I have to make, which is where do I want to put my investments? I still think Facebook and Instagram are really important. I mean, some people don't like Facebook, but I still think it's super important. And I put money where it needs to go in terms of reinforcing our brand and talking about you know, our editorial content or the um, opportunities with ASA. So that's the way I built um, the social media following. It took a long time. It took like seven years. Yeah. Um, and I had people working on it every day. And it's about testing. My background is direct marketing. So it's constant testing, testing um, different Facebook, uh, you know, uh, audiences, you know, figuring out based on what I want to communicate, who's the right audience. I would do a lot of testing with audiences and a lot of testing in terms of dollar amount and a lot of testing in terms of content, time of day, 
that type of thing. That's how we built Facebook. It just takes a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. I've done that for an e-commerce company and helping them grow their social following and also just mm-hmm. sell more products through through Facebook primarily and some exactly. Instagram as well. It definitely takes a lot of testing mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And just to go a little bit deeper on that too, that I mean, with that testing, how do you kind of approach that with different platforms as well as within the platforms? Is it like you have a set schedule of every few weeks or you're looking for a certain amount of data to make decisions to change it? I'm just going to get an overview of kind of how you look at that whole process. We also have a Twitter cha- uh, channel, which I don't think is that relevant for us. Um, so it's less important to me. Um, we pivoted and started to focus a lot more on Instagram about two years ago because it just seemed like a great way to connect with um, our audience and it's worked extremely well. And what we do with Instagram is very interesting. We focus a lot on sort of the emotional piece of life. So there's a lot of content that sort of says, you go girl, you know, we're there for you and people love it. So that is what that channel is for, as well as um, we do reinforce uh, some of the initiatives that we're doing with ASA. And with Facebook, it's about reinforcing um, our editorial content for our site. And also we're starting to do a lot more in terms of um, using Facebook for acquisition purposes for ASA. Yeah. And then with the podcast as well. So you have the podcast too, which obviously helps brand, but mm-hmm. how, how has that gone for you in terms of the podcast tying into the business and how it's helped, how it's helped everything grow? Sure. I think if I didn't, if I didn't, had not done the podcast, I never would have been in this business. So it all worked out for the best yeah. um, in spite of me not wanting to do it. Um, I really did. It's like a it's like a bug you get when you when you start to podcast. It's like a thing. Um, it's really funny, and I really became passionate about it. And I think that what made all the difference in the world. So taking that passion with my desire to help women grow their businesses and make money, it was about sort of deconstructing and thinking about what would that look like in the world of podcasting. And then I realized, wow, you know, we could create a network here, um, a really powerful network for women in podcasting. Now, I should say, FYI, if a guy wants to join our network, sure, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to discriminate. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're welcome. Um, but I mean, for the most part, it really is um, uh, women-driven, women-focused. Again, because I think women, my, here's my perspective, that women got in this a little later than men did. And I think um, male podcasters have focused a lot on podcasting as a business. And I think initially women in podcasting are using podcasts as an amplification tool for the rest of their business, which is totally fine. What we're trying to do is to say to women, if you're serious about podcasting, by the way, you can also make some money. And we're here to help you do that. But the other thing that we do, which is really important, is I think I said to you, we focus on small to mid-sized podcasters. We also want to help our podcaster community, as we say, grow their show. So we are amplifying our efforts in terms of providing tools, tips, resources, um, initiatives that and tasks that people need to do to grow a show. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's not Field of Dreams. It takes a lot of work 
to grow your average downloads per episode. And what we're trying to do is put a lot more time and effort around helping our community do that. Yeah. And for that, then what are some of the things that you would suggest to people to grow their show? They have a podcast, uh, whether it be for their business, whether it be just, I mean, eventually going to lead to another business. Like what would you say are some ways to grow their show? So I would say a couple of things. First of all, and this is really important is I think people and need to really take a, a step back and really think about, is my show good? Is the content good? Um, content is king. So understand that the podcast can be a passion project, which is totally fine. But if you want to um, grow it a little bit more and, and make it part of your overall business model, the there has to be great quality. So I say the first thing is go um, get a little group of your friends and ask them to be super honest um, and you know figure out is the content where it needs to be. So that's number yeah. one. And if it's not, you got to pivot. Um, number two is making sure, really making sure you know who your audience is. So really, who's your avatar? Who are you talking to? Who's your person? I can't, that to me is incredibly important. And then, you know, typical branding, what's your USP? Why are you, how is your podcast going to be different than other podcasts? And how will it resonate with your, your particular target versus maybe other podcasts out there? In terms of tasks and, you know, tactics, I think one really good way to grow a show is to do the, do either be a guest on other podcasts. That's super important. Or even plug other podcasts. So, for example, on Mind No Mentor, I may say, hey, you know, if you're really interested in... Um, I don't know, murder mysteries, which seems to be very popular. <laughs> I've got a great podcast for you. It's on the awesome network and here you go. So that kind of um, reinforcing each other and shows on the network, as well as being a guest on other podcast shows is probably one of the most important things that people can do. That's really important. And the other thing is tell everyone, you know, that you're doing a podcast and ask everyone to follow you and ask everyone to um, to put ratings on iTunes, on Apple. That's, that's, again, really important because what we do is when we look at shows applying, I go and look at um, what their ratings are. Now, for the most part, they're really good, um, but that's also important. You want to make sure you're delighting your audience. So I think those are the really core things that you need to do. But also there are opportunities to leverage social media. Yeah. So, you know, so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn is another good way to reinforce your show as well. And I think just to finish off, I think once you come up with a topic, a podcast that you're passionate about, you know your USP, you know your audience, you need to become a subject matter expert. You need to be the authority. If you really want to make this baby work, you've got to be the authority in what you're talking about. So if you're talking about home design, if you, even if you're not an interior director, uh, uh, sorry, an interior designer, well, go learn a lot about interior design. Go and do research. You want to be, it's about authenticity. You need to own the audience. You need to own the topic. Yeah. You need to be relevant. Yeah, so that, 
yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, and Marla, I think that's great, great advice. And I've, I've definitely been doing some of those things. And it's also basically doing all of those things consistently. <laughs> and that's oh, and then yeah. being patient with having, uh, be, being patient, knowing that this is going to take time to grow. But if you go into that with the mindset of it will take time, but it, it'll right. be worth it. Uh, if you just stick, it, stick to it over and over again. And you, also, if you're doing interview shows, especially, you can meet some amazing people that right. uh, who know the opportunities exactly. that come through that, which is one of the benefits of podcasting. Uh, one of the many benefits i should say and as you've grown asa uh and and the podcast over the over well i guess over the years because as your as your uh company has changed but what have been some of the biggest challenges in growing the company so it's interesting so asa the b2b um part of the business we launched the platform in february so this piece of it is very new um so i think overall in terms of growing the overall business was finding our sweet spot, which is the world of podcasting, making the appropriate pivots and changes to the content site, um, our focus on branding correctly. Um, Branding is super important to us. I mean, that's been a huge factor. So yeah, I mean, I think those are some of the elements. Yeah, and there's obviously so many things you can Potentially, you can potentially uh, uh, do, and then there's different challenges that come up over over the course of time, always yeah. more and more. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say that, look, it, it, there are challenges when you're launching um, a business with technology. I don't care what anyone says. It just never works the way you think it's going to work initially. So I would say initially, the technology for our platform was challenging, um, it just is. It's it's like when you build a house, it always takes twice as long as you think it's going <laughs> to take. And that's the way it takes when you're building technology. So that was a huge challenge. I think really settling on our unique selling proposition was super important. That took a little time. Getting our sales process down. Um, when we bring on um, account executives, we have a really uh, very aggressive and very tight um, training process. So it's all these things that we've learned um, over the past, I don't know, six, seven months, um, which in hyperdrive basically, um, have enabled us to start pushing the business forward. And who knew, but we're learning as we go. And I think overall being super flexible every single day, and I'm sure most people do this as well. I'm, you know, changing things and prioritizing and shifting resources you have to be really nimble about stuff like that and be very pay attention to the details right because it is there's so many things going on especially when you're trying to launch something new i know that my my co-founder and best friend who's we started pod puppy which is our podcast production company in june and there's so many things you have to think through when you're starting this. And first is just kind of testing it and seeing if you can even get some traction or get some users in our case with having right. a service. It's pretty easy. If you can get people to pay you for the service, you start pretty much validate right mm-hmm. there. And then we've grown it since. And it's, exactly. it's been growing uh, more and more. And just there's so many things. You just have to keep making progress on kind of a day-to-day basis with it. So, yeah. So that's a really important point, which is I keep on reinforcing it takes a lot of work you have to want to do it. And um, I wake up every day and I, I don't mean to be sappy, but I really love this. So it's not, it doesn't feel hard for me. Um, it's challenging, yeah. but I, I 
every day I view as an opportunity to grow the business or solve problems or connect with my team. And that's the stuff I love to do. Yeah. And it makes it much easier when you, when you do love, mm-hmm. you do love to do it, which is one of the oh, benefits yeah. of oh, entrepreneurship yeah. and why people spend so many hours as an entrepreneur when it's right. like, why are you doing this? Oh, cause I enjoy right. it actually, uh, which is amazing. Right, and right. what, what is kind of the, the overall vision for Asa and the uh, moving forward? So my vision is to be the largest and most professional network for women in podcasting. And I mean that very sincerely because quality is very important to me. Um, I want to make sure that we are delivering um, a quality product to both our podcasters and advertisers and that we're servicing our consumers properly. Um, And I think there's an opportunity to pull together some really amazing, talented women and showcase that women have cracked the code with podcasting. It's hard, but um, that's why I wanted to do it this way, to say women are taking a stand. They're going to make a difference in this world of podcasting. They may do it differently than their male counterparts, but that's okay um, because we are who we are. Um, so that's my vision to be, it's always about quality. That is so important to me. And, um, I'm always asking for feedback. If there are issues, I want to fix it, but that's my ultimate goal. Yeah. And the podcasting world is going to continue to grow and there needs to be more diversity within that. It's more, more perspectives, different Mm -hmm. opinions, and it only helps, uh, just to be better for everyone, for all the listeners and everybody involved really. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of where that goes moving forward. And, and one thing too, with as your, your entrepreneurial journeys last years as well, I mean, what have been some of the best resources or how have you learned and grown as an entrepreneur? Well, I'm a research research um, geek, as I said earlier. So I'm, you know, constantly looking online for syndicated research that I can get my hands on. I, I mean, when you work for a big company, there's like really great research you can get because it's very expensive. Yeah. But there's a lot of re- free research out there that I that I look at. So I'm constantly looking at research forever. Um, I focus uh, industry blogs, um, and I. I I read them pretty religiously. I want to keep on top of the industry. I want to keep on top of the trends. And that's what I've been doing is making sure. And it's been an education for me. Um, When I decided to do this, I decided that I had to become a lot smarter about podcasting. I barely knew anything about it. So it's making sure that I'm on top of trends and um, resources and new changes for the podcasting world. So that's a big deal to me. Yeah. And are there any particular blogs that you like a lot? You know, not necessarily. I just glean. Yeah. There's not one that really sticks out in my mind. Um, I'm just probably on 30 a day. (laughs) Always searching for things. (laughs) Yeah. They they sort of blend. Um, I'm also a member of a whole lot of podcast Facebook groups. Um, I've learned a lot being uh, in the group because I'm a podcaster as well. So uh, these podcast groups are super great. And um, people are always sharing um, tips in terms of how to grow your business, how to grow your podcast, um, pointing out new trends. So that's a really useful way to get smart. 
So I would encourage anyone who wants to be a podcaster or someone who's in podcasting is to get on these Facebook groups because you learn a lot. Plus, there's always something great about being part of a community. And what we're doing in ASA is we're building our own community. We have a private Facebook group for our podcasters. Again, it's important to make sure that we're supporting each other. Yeah. And I'll definitely second that in terms of the Facebook groups as well. And there, there are a few, you can just search for them for related to podcasts. I think one that stands out mm-hmm. to me is podcast movement, which is a conference and also the yep. uh, Facebook group. And it's so so many, you know, you can, you can search for specific things you want to, you want to know within those groups and also just right. kind of scroll through and they can be really helpful uh, from the, in that capacity as well. And one of the things I always, yeah, I, would say to you, I was just going to say that I've been to two well, one podcast movement, I'm going to my second, I'm going to PodFest, that's another big um, podcast uh, conference, I was just at She Podcast, so that's a decision I've made, I tend to learn in really well in these ki- types of situations, so I would just encourage people, if you're really serious about podcasting, go to these big conferences, because the content's amazing. Yeah. Plus, you meet really cool people. Yeah, uh, definitely. And that's always been one of the main things for, for conferences mm-hmm. for me, too, is, is meeting the people there. Because <laughs> you think about who the type mm-hmm. of people who would attend these conferences in the first place. And uh, depending on when this right. episode releases, I'm going to, to Summit this year, which is not not podcast specific, but uh, more just you know doers and uh, changers and entrepreneurs, people who are like really ambitious and driven and are really trying to change the world. And you get so motivated through the people around you as well at these places. Right. And Right. One thing I always wonder with with different guests, because there's especially with so many different things going on and building companies is difficult. How do you prioritize and kind of manage your time day to day? Oh, it's so interesting you asked me that question because I was thinking about it a lot at the conference. Um, right now, I'm in problem solving mode, so I think there's a strategic piece of it, which is knowing what I need to get done in the next three, six, and nine months. I, I don't go beyond that, although I do know what my long-term vision is. Yeah. Making sure that I have key initiatives set up to support the goals that I want to achieve. Um, making sure that in any given day, I'm actually acting on these um, goals and initiatives, as well as the other piece of it is putting out fires, which, are going, which is going to happen because um, this business is changing so rapidly. So I think it's just being in both in corporate America and doing my entrepreneurial thing for a while. I think it's become a little instinctive to me. Um, I would say there are some days that I work too long. Um, but again, I kind of really love what I'm doing. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, I wouldn't encourage people to, you know, work 12, 15 hours a day, but sometimes that would, that's what it takes. But I also make sure just in terms of prioritization that there is at least a half an hour a day um, that I set aside to think about the bigger items, the bigger initiatives, the bigger strategy, which is why I really love to read the industry publications, because that's part of that half an hour. And then I take a little bit of time every day to do reflections in terms of what have I learned and what went well, what didn't go well, and how can I improve? So that's sort of the way I, I manage my time. I'm fortunate I have two adult kids, so I don't have to deal with soccer and all that stuff, <laughs> yep. um, which always took a whole lot of time. Um, so that gives me a little more flexibility in terms of my schedule. Yeah. And just to dig in deeper, because I'm 
slightly obsessed with the exception things. Um, what what does it look like from <laughs> a routine uh, standpoint in terms of like, is it like a Monday through Friday working? Is it seven days a week? Is it, I do a lot of work in the morning or super late. I'm just curious from my sure. perspective. Yeah. So what I like to do is Monday through Friday, I block out my mornings. I make sure that I don't schedule um, any big meetings or calls. And that works 95% of the time, because that's the time when I really, um, you know, try to figure out what's going on. Look, you know, I read stuff. I look at the, you know, statistics. That's my time. I'm not, I sort of am a morning person, but I wouldn't say I'm great at communicating in the morning. So from say eight to 12, that's my time um, to organize myself and to figure out what the priorities are and to make whatever changes I need to make. Then um, I will schedule calls from like 12 to five. I try to cut the calls off at five o'clock um, because I get, I, I get a little burned out by the end of the day. Yeah. So I would say at five o'clock, it's more like doing a recap of, you know, what happened today? What do I need to do tomorrow? Um, that kind of thing. I do work Monday through Friday. My goal is to get at least a half a day to myself and then um, maybe X number of months later, maybe work Monday through Thursday. But I realize this is a startup, so I have to do what I need to do. During the weekends, it's um, I catch up on emails when I can um, and again, do a little more industry research. But I wouldn't say it's a full day occupation. I do need to recharge my batteries. Cause if I'm not fresh, then it doesn't work very well. Yeah. And that is such a huge part of being an entrepreneur is finding the ways to mm -hmm. recharge. What is it for you? Is it just taking time off? Is it, um, like some people mentioned getting out in nature. So there's so many things you can do. What does the recharging look like for you? So I like to read. That's important. Um, I would say to you, I like to exercise. I really don't like to exercise. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but, but I'm trying to fit that in more. And I know that after I'm done with a class or getting on the treadmill, I really do feel better. So um, that's something that I'm trying to do more of. And yes, it does help recharge. Um, I also, believe it or not, make sure I try to get eight hours of sleep a night. Um, I really, in order to be super sharp, um, I need sleep. So that's really important to me. So that and then always at around, let's let's say around 11 to 12 o'clock, I work from my home. I get out of the house. I go into a town. I live in a suburb. You know, I get coffee. I get outside. Yeah. Um, and that is an important break of time for me. So that's that's basically what I do. I wouldn't say like, I walk in nature for three hours. No, I don't. <laughs> Everyone has their own thing, Marla. It's all about finding what right, works for right. you. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but I, my goal is definitely to get more exercise. That's like a real commitment I've made. So yeah, take care of take care of my health. Yeah, and stamina always important. I come from a exercise sports science background and worked as a personal trainer for many years, um, and I've definitely seen that how it can help people when they do change uh, kind of the health and fitness side of things and commit to that as well. But it's difficult, especially when you're want to work on a business all day. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, when we were launching the platform, I will never forget this. This was in February. I tried to go to some classes in the morning, 
Um, and invariably, there were panicked calls from the developers. <laughs> so that was a little hard. But I think now that we're beyond that, I have m- more control over my calendar. Yeah, which, which is helpful. And, and it, in that beginning process, too, you mentioned with having developers, how did you end up finding them? So I've been very, very fortunate. Um, before I started ASA, And when my world was like a boss girls, I worked with um, an agency that was called Pink Honey. And um, I worked with some incredible people. I love them to death. Um, Anne Cavanaugh and UJ Rojas, they are amazing. They've started their own business called Stereo, and it's phenomenal. It's it's the meeting of music, new um, music with um, Rideshare. So they have a brilliant concept, but they have been with me every step of the way. So they're not my agency anymore. They're my friends. So they tend to be initially my go-to people yeah. when I need help and I need resources because they just need to seem to know everyone. And then I've created a community of women supporting. I have a coach. She's great. Um, and we have a little mastermind group. I think that's super important. Um you know, I can't speak about the way men do things, but I know for women, getting a gr- getting like your a, a group of people supporting you, like your own board of directors, I would call it, or your own mastermind group, yeah, is really important because sometimes you just have to talk to people and get their input. So I think that's also super important, yeah. and that's also been a way that I've have found resources. Yeah, I think that is incredibly important. And I I used to be in a mastermind just out of out of college, and um, that was T- Todd Durkin's mastermind at the time, and have been kind of have a similar thing with having people around you who are you consider kind of that mastermind or uh, that group or community right. around you. And that's actually one of the next steps I'm taking with, with Just Go Grind in the next few months is going to be creating that community slash uh, mastermind type of uh, thing to help entrepreneurs because ultimately it's so difficult to build companies. You do need more support exactly. around you. You know, you get ideas. You just are able to talk about the things you can't talk about with everyone who doesn't really understand if they're not building exactly. companies and it can be such a beneficial uh, thing for you. Especially if you don't have a co-founder, I don't have a co-founder. So sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself. So <laughs> <laughs> having the opportunity to bounce ideas off of, you know, people who are very dear in my life, um, good friends and colleagues, super important. Yes, indeed. And as we wrap things up here, what would be any last advice you'd give to anyone trying to launch a business? I think you need to take a step back and really understand what your motivation is. What do you want to do, but why do you really want to do it? Um, That's really important. Um, I think you need to assess whether or not you're doing it because you're passionate about something. You're doing it because you really want to make change. You're doing it because it's the natural evolution of your career. I think being strategic in those decisions, that's really important. And that will help you figure out what should this business be. And then it's about planning, um, making sure you, you get the resources you need, asking questions, connecting with smart people via a mastermind group or Facebook groups. You don't have to do it all alone, even if you don't want a co-founder. But asking for help is super important. Um, I would not be where I am today if I didn't ask for help because I don't know it all. I mean, I just don't. Um, So I think that's really important. So having a good idea of your motivation, 
a good idea of how to get help, of putting, you know, surrounding yourself with really smart people and working on things that you feel passionate about so that it becomes more of a vocation versus a job. Because being an entrepreneur, as you all know, is really hard. <laughs> so I think you really need to love what you're doing. Yes, I love all of that. That is yeah, so so true and so, <laughs> so, so needed. And Marla, where can people go to learn more about all you're doing and connect with you? So um, they can find me on LinkedIn, Marla.Isaacson. That's um, where I am. They can contact me, email Marla at AsaCollective.com. I would invite podcasters who are interested in joining Asa, join Asa.com. Um, then um, for our content site, that's asacollective.com. And when you get on the content site, you'll see our social media links. Awesome. So there's lots of ways to reach out to me. And I'm happy to talk to anyone who, who wants advice or information about what I'm doing or how to start a podcast as well, because I've, I did it and I learned the hard way. So <laughs> yeah, there are. I'm happy to support people. Right, that's, right. There's so many things to know as well. And so you can always be benefit mm -hmm. from that. And I'll be sure to link up all that, justgrind.com slash podcast uh, show notes, uh, and then link to everything out there as well. And Marla, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Oh, this was a lot of fun. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for contacting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, check out The Grind, which is a community where entrepreneurs, creators, and other go-getters can connect digitally and in person to build their businesses, get ideas and inspiration, make an impact, and support others pursuing their dream. The goal of this community when I created is, is really simple. It's to use our collective experiences, skills, connections, and unrelenting ambition to make a bigger impact on the world. And during my time at USC, growing this podcast, attending conferences. I've met so many incredible people and wanted to have a way to connect them, a place where they could reach out to each other, get support, but also then just leverage the skills we have to do more. And this community is exactly that. Learn more at justgrind.com slash the dash grind. You can also find it from the homepage, justgrind.com. Check it out. Thank you.